my dad recently barely avoiding death due to cirrhosis of the liver. Good news about my dad though. So your liver is a pretty interesting organ because it can like repair itself. I'm not sure to what degree. I'm not a doctor, but the doctor has been really surprised at how well my dad's doing with these steroids and stuff. And uh, he wanted to do more stuff to help him, but he's in a state where like, if during one of these operations, they do a small tear, he will bleed out and die. So it's like a measured risk of how much can we do without putting him in unnecessary danger because it's diminishing returns, you know? As they do more, so it lowers the risk of him dying to liver failure or something like that. There's still the same risk of, you know, some sort of terror or whatever and having him bleed out. So eventually it reaches the point where it's like, ah, oh, there's no... It's, it's more risky now to do more compared to the gains that he get. I am more pissed that I can't get my dad to do stuff. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He doesn't want to do anything. He's on like, he's at the edge of his life. And I'm just like, look, I can give you enough money to go anywhere you like in the world. Just, just see something, anything. And he's like, nah, you know, I like, uh, I like staying at home and I don't, uh, I don't, you know, I don't have to wake up anytime and, uh, can, no one needs me to do stuff. And, uh, so I just prefer to stay at home and, you know, mow my lawn and it's like, oh my God, it's just, it's just so painful. He just has never wanted to go anywhere for any reason. I should go with him. I mean, if there wasn't a COVID outbreak, I would. And like, that's not his concern for not going, but it just made it hard. Like even, even if he gets out of hospital in seven days, I mean, what am I going to do with him? I can't go anywhere then because there's just there's COVID everywhere. Like obviously the, the risk when you're double vaxxed, even with Omicron or whatever, like I, I think we have like 4,000 more cases in New South Wales, but like only two deaths because, you know, vaccines do their job. But uh, for me with Hashimoto's and him with a stage three cirrhosis of the liver, Either of us gets COVID and we're more likely to be in that domain of getting severely fucked. Him more so than me, but I only ever saw my dad like two times a year, but the last like six times I would have seen my dad over the last two years, like I haven't seen him because of, uh, of COVID. Is laziness or just fit? No, my dad is never likely to go anywhere for any reason. He loves, he loves his routine and he hates breaking it. Will I stream on YouTube soon? Keep in mind that I currently have a partnership agreement with Twitch that makes it so I can't stream on YouTube. Mixer is not comparable to YouTube. YouTube has 2 billion users. The odds are almost certain that I would have more viewers if I live streamed on YouTube. The difference is that YouTube just isn't as nice a stream platform. Chaos wouldn't work there for a start. The chat looks worse. It doesn't have theater mode. There's no gifted subs. There's no Twitch Prime. I would just have less money. I've watched YouTube live streams, but just like I watch a normal YouTube video. YouTube is making moves. Oh, of course. They, I mean, they're adding gifted subs soon, apparently. And uh, there's speculation that they're going to do something with YouTube Red and uh, to, to be similar to Twitch Prime. But there's so many more Prime users than there are YouTube Red users. It's the one feature that YouTube has over Twitch. That you can rewind and then two times speed to catch up to where you are. That's why Twitch added this. Ah, oh, they removed it. I guess they were only testing on some streams. Had it for like a couple of days. There's a button you could go back two minutes in the stream. It'd be really funny if they removed it because no one used it. But I mean, they didn't promote it, so why would anyone use it? It's only available on some channels. I trick channels where they had it before. Even I had it before. It's not there. The chance of me playing Roblox is not 0%. I will not play FNAF. I will never play FNAF. 
I say never say never, I will never play FNAF. There's a higher chance that I will play Roblox. Chad and me like, oh my god, play Roblox, that's my favorite game, man. That'd be so cool if you played Roblox, man. I can show you my, my cool shoes. I got my dad to buy me in Roblox. Cause that's that's the game, Roblox. It's it's great, man. That no greater game exists. Roblox, man. All the cool kids have the best skins in Roblox. There's at least one of you sitting there like, oh yeah, yeah, I don't play Roblox. Ha 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 ha. I never played that game. I certainly don't play it every day. Roblox, be anything, build anything. You can even be an exploited worker. As you make games and you receive like 150 bajillionth of the profit that the company gets. What is, the, what is their payout? Like 12% or something to creators? God damn, dude. I watched that vid? Yeah, I watched it before everyone else. I watched the original video when it had like 10,000 views. I knew Roblox was scummy before you did. That's right. That's how cool I am. Well, man, I wish I was as cool as you. I know you do, Chad. I know you do. The one person who blocked me on Twitter. Chad, I've been thinking about becoming a full-time Among Us streamer. How about that? That sounds that sound like good. That sounds like uh, some uh, good fun, you think, Chad? Nothing but Among Us all day, every day. Oh, Chad, I have never found someone who has blocked me on Twitter. And I found a dude who blocked me on Twitter. And I was so confused. Like, what could I have possibly done to this dude? Because I, I, I never talked to him or interacted with him, to my knowledge. And um, I believe it was from this Among Us thing that I did a long time ago where I tried to uh, hang out with creators and it did not fucking go well. One of my first attempts at a collaboration and I completely misunderstood what the event was for. It was uh, really fucking awkward because uh, a lot of new people to Among Us and uh, I dipped the second uh, I found out because it was just so awkward. And uh, apparently that dude blocked me. You guys shouldn't be that surprised, but still, it's a weird interaction. How is it possible for Take-Two to still milk GT Online? Listening to Mudaha talk about uh, Take-Two today, does Take-Two really think they can just milk GT Online forever? It's crazy to me. The gameplay loop of GT Online is just so simplistic. I'm floored that people still do it, but I mean, GT Online has been out for so long. It had like kind of first, first move advantage. As we always say, there is no, uh, there's no other competition in the uh, third-person open-world shooter genre. The genre is just GTA. If it's that simple, why can no one com compete? Because they don't want to compete with GTA. It takes a huge investment to make something like GTA, and then you have to compete with GTA. Being GTA is, is easier than competing with GTA. Cyberpunk Online was promised way back. Did they make no online for that game? Well, they've already moved on for, to other products. And a cyberpunk version of GTA would do uh, pretty well. As in like, uh, Rockstar already kind of transformed the world of GTA by adding so much um, futuristic technology. It's weird though because GTA has all this futuristic technology, but only in particular areas. Like no one has like cybernetics or like uh, really advanced phones or really advanced laptops or whatever. It's just like flying motorbikes. Is ad revenue important on Twitch? So is the streamer's main income, donations and subs? Yeah. When I when I say ads are irrelevant, ads make up between like 0.5 and 5% of a streamer's income, depending upon whether they run ads themselves, if they do very long streams, things like that. I'm sure XQC isn't getting an insignificant 
amount of money off ads. But that's because 5% of XQC's income is a significant amount of money. It's why the whole kerfuffle about people worried that Twitch's ad system was going to go to shit was just nonsense. Again, there was no evidence that the changes Twitch was going to make would have any negative impacts on anyone. But even if it literally destroyed all ads on the platform, most Twitch streamers wouldn't even notice because it's just such a small amount of their income. There are two reasons why the importance of ad revenue differs so much between Twitch and YouTube. The first is that on YouTube, we get paid a percentage of what is made with the ads, while on Twitch, it is a fixed rate. So if YouTube makes $20 with a thousand ads, I might get $12 out of that. Whereas on Twitch, if Twitch makes $5 for a thousand ads or they make $50 for a thousand ads, I still get paid the same fixed amount. And that amount, while I can't tell you what it is, it is much, much lower than YouTube. The second reason is YouTube is better at getting ads and putting ads on every single ad slot. Where on Twitch, maybe they won't have ads for that particular region on that particular day. They are just not as good at getting advertisers on the platform. So on YouTube, if an ad's meant to play to a viewer, odds are it's gonna happen. On Twitch, might not. The worst I can remember being sick. The worst I can remember being sick is when I got the PAX Pox. So when events like PAX happen, there's always people who have either gotten sick recently or are getting sick. They're like, oh man, but I've already booked my flight and you know, this only happens once a year, I gotta go. So even though they're sick, they come. And so just so many people who potentially have forms of illness packed into one building, your odds of catching something are pretty decent. And so it fucks me up for like a week. How to assess whether a system is good. Like I had a person write a comment on my recent rambles and they were like, sure, it makes sense to not support democracy. Because like, sure, you can be a person educated on politics and do a bunch of research to find out which candidate actually supports what you want and uh, can better society, and then you can cast your vote. But another person could just, just show up on the day and just pick at random. As I was saying before, in life, you're not looking for the perfect system. You're looking for the system that produces the most positive outcomes. Because no system won't sometimes produce negative outcomes. No system is without flaw. There is only better systems relative to other alternatives. And it bothers me sometimes when people only look at the negatives of a system or only weigh, you know, the positive, uh, positives and negatives of a system. They don't compare it to the other alternatives. I've made this criticism frequently in actually many of my response videos. How bad something is, is not simply an assessment of the negative outcomes of the thing. It's the negative outcomes versus the positive outcomes versus the negative and positive outcomes of alternatives. Is science biased? Do you think researchers can be funded by people wanting their narrative scientifically proven? Sure. It's again, back to before, no system is without flaw. Any system that has humans in it is gonna have some amount of uh, possibility for things to go awry or not work correctly. That's just how it is. It isn't a matter of a system being perfect. It's are the outcomes more positive than negative? Is it more likely to have information that can uh, progress you towards achieving your goals than not? Science, in general, is the best method that humans have ever devised to get accurate information that can have predictive application for the future, or, or just uh, some useful effects that can be tested moving forward to create new things. Most of what people disagree with in science isn't because they have actual reasons to do so, it's because they don't like the conclusions. I've watched people who have no expertise in a field look at research papers that they cannot read because they, they don't have the you know esoteric knowledge to be able to 
understand what's being said. And they'll point at something and just say, this shows that the whole paper is wrong. I'm like, no, it doesn't. You don't even know what that figure means. People look for reasons to dismiss things that they don't want to accept as true. And when you have no knowledge in a topic, it's very easy to find things that you don't understand that will therefore seem suspect to you because you don't understand them, which will enable you to dismiss the entirety of the endeavor. The amount of dumb people in the world like what you're talking about annoys me. I, I don't know if this is dumb necessarily. I think we, we I mean, we all fall victim to this, to, the, to degrees. We all have a bias towards wanting the things that we want to be true to be true. We all have confirmation bias. We all want to trust in ourselves to varying degrees. It's even when you're aware of these biases, it's very hard to not fall victim to them sometimes because you're only human. You try to just hedge your bets by not being too overly invested in stuff or hold things to too great a confidence. You step back occasionally and think, do I have actual reasons to believe what I believe? Why do I believe this is true? Where did I even get this information from? And even then you can still be fucked, but you're probably gonna be better off than most people who don't go through those same doubts. The equivalent of reading the abstract and calling it a day. Honestly, the abstract is written to be as best understandable by a layman. It's, it's almost its purpose. Most of the time, if you just read the abstract, you will basically get what the paper's getting at, right? It's usually a problem when people go deeper than the abstract because they don't have the necessary knowledge to understand what is being said elsewhere. Because you've got to know specifically how certain terms are used, how certain things are calculated, why they're calculated this way, and so on. I agree that sometimes very important stuff can be in the paper. You know, you can you can read the abstract and go, oh, this is very interesting. And then you go down and you, you look at sample sizes or, or or whatever, and you go, oh, well, this, this is nonsense. But the average person, on the average paper, let's say, probably reading more than the abstract is probably going to do them more harm than good. Because they just won't understand the rest, you know? Reading abstract isn't that easy if you don't understand the context, by the way. I mean, it's easier than the paper. <laughs> it's the best you got as a layman. Yeah, I would say the abstract is the best thing to read. Because what's your other alternative? Reading the media and their, like, summation of an article. How, how often does the media, like, state the conclusions of a paper with absolute certainty? And you go to read the abstract or just the paper as well. And they're like, so this seems like it could maybe be something of significance. Probably needs a bit more research. I mean, these findings are significant, sure, but there's been other research that hasn't found these same findings. I think we need this study, this study, and this study to, to conclude that if we've actually found something of value. And the media will be like, this paper definitively proves X equals Y. The implications are gonna be insane. And you're like, oh, okay. And you wonder why people are dismissive of science when their gateway to scientific research is media articles, and often not even the media, art media articles, it's the headline of the media article. As I say, the world is just very complicated, and we, we don't all have time to look into every uh, minute thing to the degree that we should. We all believe many false things, that if we had the time to do research, we would not believe those things any longer. I saw a video recently by Polymatter, I've heard of this idea of China engaging in debt trap diplomacy. It has been said by many people that China is lending people fuck tons of money that they are never going to be able to pay back to effectively be able to take land and influence and stuff in up and coming countries, you know, like in Africa and such. And I'm like, I've heard this everywhere. Frequency bias. It seemed plausible based off what I knew of the world. And I heard it so many places that it seemed more plausible. 
Uh, but this video basically said the evidence for this is very slim. More likely what China is doing is trying to keep up their economic growth because their growth was originally spurred on by a lot of infrastructure projects and stuff, but they've kind of run out of stuff to do in their own country. So they're looking for fucking anyone who's willing to give them stuff to build. Regardless of how much it makes sense, they just want to find people that they can build stuff for to continue to, to, to grow and to give people jobs and stuff. There's a lot of corruption involved, but it's in, in the same way that many countries have corrupt officials who I'll say, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it in this area. As, it may not be the, the best for the country, but it's the best for them politically. And China's like, we don't fucking care. We, we just want to build stuff. Fucking go for it. And so listening to this, I'm like, okay, this actually also seems very plausible based off what I know about China. But of course, one YouTube video doesn't prove jack shit. I'm still not educated on the topic. But now that I've heard the competing side to this, now whenever I move forward, I'm going to be like a little bit more skeptical about uh, what's necessarily going on, you know? But like, if had you asked me before I saw that Polymatter video, how confident I was that this was happening, I probably would put myself at like a 5 out of 10 or something. Because just, we all believe false things. It's, it's just life. Tom Scott's video, Why You Can't Trust Me, is also great. Yeah, that's it's a good video. The premise of that video is basically Tom Scott saying, I'm not perfect, I will make mistakes. You don't know me, I'm just a guy on the internet or whatever. I try my best for me, as well as for you, but I'm gonna make mistakes sometimes. I'm gonna tell you things that aren't true. And he said, not because I'm malicious, but because that's just a part of being human. You have never been the most qualified to make a decision on anything. So on every single decision you've ever made in your life, of any significance, there has always been someone else living at that time who could have made that decision better, who has more information, is more knowledgeable, you know, they have the better expertise, they're older than you, whatever it is. The reason why you rely on yourself most often is, A, that person isn't always around for you to ask. Can't afford to talk to them, you don't even know who the fuck they are. But also the second, which is very important, is you can have some belief that you're at least trying to work for your own best interests. When you look at a random stranger, you look at them and go, do you care about me? Do you actually give a shit about what's best for me? Are you only making decisions for your own best interests? Are you informing me about what is best for me or maybe what is best for you? You gotta try in life to find people that you can trust on issues and stuff, right? Or you gotta try to make incentives so that people who are more knowledgeable than you can actually give you information that is in your best interest. That's why you pay people. Or, you know, if, you say this, if this fucks up for me, man, I won't give you money in the future. You know, you'll have failed me, so you better give me the best information possible. Because you're right, it's impossible to be educated on every single thing of relevance to your day-to-day -day life, you know? It's just, it's, life is just too complicated. There are too many laws, too many systems. And so we pay people astronomical amounts of money to spend their time becoming experts in particular aspects of that. And when we need expertise in that area, while it would take too long for us to get that ourselves, we can reach out to these people that we've paid astronomical amounts of money to get the information that we need. Relevance again, people who study viruses for a living telling us about COVID and people who are not good at making these assessments going, nah, this, this guy who did the research for 50 years, he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. I know more because I've been on Facebook for five minutes. You pay me half a million dollars every year to spend my life researching viruses and you don't even give a shit about my, my professional opinion based on the research that I've specifically been educated to be able to suss out. All right then. I mean, you did read that Facebook meme, I guess that's equally equivalent.
you grow into your role. Very few people pursue something and start as who they need to be to be successful. Each of us grows into the role that we pursue. If you look at any streamer in their first live stream, they all suck because no one knows exactly how they're meant to conduct themselves. You grow into the role, you become more communicative, you get used to reading chat, even though it's, you, know, you gotta quickly internalize that information and have something immediately to say. You become better at expressing how you feel, that kind of thing. In any role that you try to take up, you will grow into that role. Some people grow into it better than others, but the hardest part is surviving long enough that you have time to grow into the role. The more precarious the role that you're trying to get into, the higher the chances something external to yourself is going to prevent you from being able to stay along that path. But the longer you stay on that path, the less luck you need, the more secure your footing will be because you've grown into that, that role. Skill comes to replace luck. And the harder it is for things external to you to be able to uh, completely destroy you. A realistic world versus a consistent world in video games. Sometimes the realism in video games can destroy the fun of playing that game. Of course. Because reality is not usually more interesting than fantasy. Reality is one thing. Fantasy can be anything. Even when you're trying to, to some degree, mimic reality, it is often prudent to cut out the most tedious aspects of reality to increase people's enjoyment. You like your fantasy grounded? I like my fantasy consistent. As in the rules are consistent everywhere. The rules can have no similarity to reality, but they just need to be consistently applied. Like I hate, for example, like in GTA 5, you walk up to some random gangster guy, you shoot him in the head, he dies instantly. You walk up to another random gangster guy, no armor, no nothing, shoot him in the head, he doesn't die. And you're just like... That's, that's not consistent. You can invent whatever the fuck you want. Well, actually, they've invented some nanotechnology that can uh, defend a person's head. So you actually need to shoot a few more times to get through the nanites to actually hit him in the brain. I'll be like, yep, yeah, sweet, fucking aces. You invented a new rule. That's great. Absent that rule, this is just an inconsistency and annoys the fuck out of me. I need you to forge this iron sorting game. There'll be 15 hours of slaving over coals on the anvil. <laughs> exactly. You actually need to go sleep and you have to wait the eight hours of your character sleeping before you can play again. If you get up after six hours, your character's sluggish and has less energy and is more moody and shit. <laughs> How do I have patience for tedious tasks? How do you create such patience for doing a tedious task? Well, money. Money's good. But I find a lot of satisfaction in completing goals. Saying, that's a task done. Seeing numbers go up. Anything that shows progress in that regard, I'm pretty happy to do. I'm a little bit more annoyed with tasks that never end, which kind of YouTube is that way. Why do we need sleep? Is SciShow why we get tired? Isn't it like disputed why we need to sleep? Is it processing the information of the day or... I mean, it'd be interesting if it was something stupid, like humans that were too prone to walking around during the night would more often trip and break their legs or something and die. And so there's a selective pressure Hell against that. Yeah. It's basically like rebooting our brains. Yeah, but I mean, you'd think that, because I mean, even today, there are some people today who biologically need less sleep. It's like 5% of the population or some shit can be as refreshed with four hours of sleep as everyone else 
when they have eight. I don't know if there's diminishing returns on that or something, but remember looking at some bloody video on sleep. But it's for my university course, it wasn't some random fucking video. What they would do is they would um do sleep trials where they'd have people in the facility and they go to sleep and they wake some people up after four hours and some people up after eight hours and they found like it was less than five percent of people were able to do the same mental tasks with the same proficiency as uh everyone else despite only having half the sleep be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel it costs you nothing and i wish you all the best